Hello and welcome to the Cinnabums with John and Luke. We've been gone for a while. Um, yes. John had a vacation and I've had some life things going on and uh, we, like we put out an end of summer episode and now it's like almost like end of September. So now the air really feels like mm. fall. Yeah, it's so weird how we're like basing this like we're like basing the chronolo- chronology of the episodes off of like weather now, but like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Hey, um, tomorrow is the first day of fall, so it is. We're kind of we're getting the fall started on this on this foot now. Did we right, put the summer yeah. behind us? So. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I like. I'm not like I've been watching films. But I am like such a, uh, I'm so out of it on 2022 movies, um, as out of it as like you could be. And I, I want, I'm trying to, I need to catch up in this next week. I'm going to try to go back to the movies, but man, like, here's how out of it I am. The last movie I saw was Nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the last movie I saw. And there have been a lot of movies since then, uh, that I know I've missed. I know I've missed that uh, George Miller film uh, that 3,000 3, years, years of longing. 3,000 years of longing. Um, I haven't seen that Barbarian uh, movie that came out. I haven't seen uh, Ryan from The Office's directorial debut. Vengeance. Um, yeah. yeah, Vengeance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like people would say that movies have been slow recently to a degree, but I also feel just maybe it's also because there are trailers that I am not in on. I also don't know what is being like made, what is coming out soon that I feel maybe a little more out of it. Um, Yeah. Like I didn't know about, there's a don't worry. There's all that. Don't worry, darling drama that I didn't know about either. (laughs) Just heard about that the other day. (laughs) Like, and I had to like read up uh, on the whole chronology of, uh, you know, don't worry, darling. Um, yeah. Last week that was like, all you could see was just memes about don't worry, darling. And, uh, stuff about Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine and random shit like that. Yeah. It's, I was, yeah. I was having a hard time just like wrapping my head around everything that happened or people joked right. about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I myself, uh, I think it's fascinating. I love a good, like, uh, you know, Olivia Wilde, like, gets her big movie, you know, gets her, her blank check, if you will, and decides to make this huge movie with this giant cast, really go for it, you know, as a big director. But, you know, it all go like, I don't know, in a way, it just sounds like it all went to her head in a way and that like the production was as big of a shit show as it could have been yeah um and and and, like yeah it's just like kind of a cool story for a big movie even though you know even though i I, like i feel bad for uh you know jason sudeikis in a way obviously (laughs) and um like everyone on the production who i like who had to deal with that but i just think it's kind of a like a fucked up like cool like story like something that's like you know been happening probably in hollywood since the beginning like something that like in a book about this time of hollywood you know may you may have like interesting you know like inside production stories that are um based off of it you want to hear the dirt this is what the stuff you want to hear about you know 
so you don't want to hear about some production going perfectly smoothly and uh everyone getting along and and everything like that you know this is yeah so, like yeah, I, I like the idea of like an affair an affair on a big movie from like someone who's not usually directing movies and someone who's not usually acting in movies yeah you know like there's them succumbing to you know to greed and evil and all that <laughs> america you know <laughs> yes it's uh yeah it's you know this I mean? is like a, a this is like a movie in itself is just the yeah, story yeah exactly of this. Yeah. yeah it's like a little like it's like a scorsese movie within a movie or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah but yeah i do feel bad for uh jason sudeikis again i will say Hey, he's doing pretty well now. I mean, but also Ted, good for Ted him. Lasso he is find, getting so many. He will find a new. Uh, he will find a new uh, spouse. I mean, he's a very eligible bachelor. I mean, he's Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Um, and I also, I also did just start watching Ted Lasso. I am on the second season. That's a show I have been out of it on. So, I. Uh, that's a good good series. I don't know if this will offend you or anyone but i kind of gave up on ted lasso uh, gave up the, Interesting. after the first season yeah doesn't i don't know doesn't was... offend me uh at all uh i don't like it that much i will say uh compared to like other tv um i do i don't i think it's more mid uh yeah mm -hmm. compared to other tv but actually i have thought you would like ted lasso a lot more than me simply because <laughs> it involves soccer or Yes. footballers as they call them in the show so like when i was watching i was like i mean i could see myself liking this more if i cared about soccer so i was like i thought for sure you would have liked it liked it more than me and i've gotten that from a lot of people a lot of people have are surprised that i don't like it but uh i i just found it a little too corny and cheesy yeah. like easy yeah. it and is easy and that, like, the Ted Lasso character uh, was first originated just in, like, an ad when NBC got the rights to the Premier League, and they used it as an ad. And it was, I thought it was hilarious. Like, it was, the character was so funny, and he was right, such, right. like, an, he was definitely more of, like, a Michael Scott-type character in the ad. Um, and then in Ted Lasso, he's, it's a very, like, heartwarming, uh, everybody be nice to each other type thing uh yeah, and yeah it, it, i just felt like a little corny and, and like while watching it i was like man i haven't even finished barry yet and i'm watching ted lasso now you know right that's what, yeah. yeah oh no barry is leagues <laughs> to leagues above ted lasso for sure yeah i'm yeah. kind of just watching because i don't i don't know i like it is like it is like quality of a comedy but it is also like on premise alone it's like wow i can't believe like the amount of money that is being put into this show oh yeah like based off of just a silly premise of hey how about a guy from middle america who has no business coaching soccer coaches soccer and then there there isn't a lot i will say there is a lot like a lot of the side stories that there are i'm all i'm like wow this is just all like something that they wrote in because they needed to and mm -hmm. you know stuff like that and at times it does feel like a show that has been going on for like eight seasons when it's in its first season, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. like they are running out of ideas, but it is, it is like a quality comedy and like Jason Sudeikis is like, I, I'll watch anything he's really in. And it's there's I, like, I do occasionally chuckle. So 
like <laughs> but i'm I, like i'm not like that into it or anything it's definitely yeah. a good one to do things in front of i'll say yeah i definitely don't think it's a it's a bad show by any means but um yeah no, there's like there's like real ted lasso stories and like the premier league though not you know as extreme but like american managers in the premier league that are having like success right now well there's one and it's like that that's like i want to see a documentary of like what's going on with that like how is this this guy from wisconsin he's now managing a, this huge club in england how is he handling that because there are other american coaches that have been called like ted lasso as a joke by like their right, own players right. and it's like oh god now i feel like the the show is like the worst thing to happen for American <laughs> soccer coaches in England. But, uh, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely I, am like in on the premise. And I, and I think it's like, definitely, it's like a nice, nice, pleasant comedy show, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't, it didn't, it didn't want, it didn't make me want to keep watching or yeah. find out what happens to these characters. Didn't really demand your attention that much. Yeah. Yeah, still love Jason Sudeikis too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad. I'm happy for all his success. Yep, I'm. 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 I, I wish the best for him on finding less of a, a less shitty wife. I'm sure yeah. he will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. Other than that, uh, what have I? I've been watching other things. Um. Another like, I guess like it was a part of the Emmys. That's also another reason I watched Ted Lasso. I like saw pictures of the Emmys and I was like, that's one I'm really behind. I feel like I should, <laughs> I should watch that, you know? I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I started watching it too. It was because everyone was talking about it. It was a huge deal getting all these awards. So um, I had to check it out. Definitely don't think it's like unworthy uh, of awards um, and popularity. But uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe like, I, I don't know. I also like if you're into soccer, I feel like maybe it's it's also I can see why you wouldn't be into it because it like it, I mean, it's more for like people who don't watch soccer at all and are like are just find it funny that he is coaching soccer, you know, so you maybe yeah. it probably helps for you to be ignorant to soccer um, and maybe just ignorant in general <laughs> like yeah. to, to be into the show. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't know. These are like, I don't know, like 20 something year old, like cocky athletes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, it's not that heartwarming being like, I, you know, there's a great Amazon Prime documentary that really do sort of like hard knocks, but with Man City. Okay. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's like awful. Like, it sounds so stressful and terrible and, uh, and annoying. And, uh, and and like all the the like the players are not like these wholesome guys like they're like they get super fucking pissed off when they I mean not that everyone in the show is I know there's like some assholes on the show but yeah I don't know I just I just feel like it was it was just sort of like a corny uh, optimistic American uh, version of uh, of yeah. soccer yeah I'll start with um an epic because today um, not well. We're, we're talking about an epic today. Um, so why not yes. report about a couple other epics I've watched? Uh, the first would be uh, Akira Kurosawa's High and Low, uh, which I uh, finally saw. It's like one of the those famous uh, Kurosawa's that uh, I haven't gotten to for a while. And um, 
a friend loaned me his criterion of it and I watched it. It stars, uh, it stars Toshiro Milfoon, um, who plays an executive of a shoe company who uh, becomes a victim of extortion when a chauffeur's son is kidnapped and held for ransom. Uh, and so it kind of plays along uh, the lines of, kind of plays along uh, like economic inequality and like what happens when uh, people who have been, who feel taken advantage of, advantage of by the richer population um, and they feel the need to, uh, you know, for extortion to take advantage of this person, you know, to get money out of them. And like, I don't know how much is a rich man willing to give up his, his control and his rich and his wealth to help others. And like, uh, in the end, like, uh, what does wealth really mean? And all these, all these big, all these big things. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's cool to see Toshiro Milfoon in a movie that, uh, he's not playing a, like a Shakespearean samurai in, but, it, but he is still very good. And, uh, it's cool to see him in a different, uh, light. Uh, and I could see a lot of influence in this movie for sure, uh, dramatically. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's another really great Kurosawa and, uh, definitely stands up there for me because it, it is different. And, uh, and, uh, specifically it has a final scene that reminds me of something that is like, I don't know, like would be in like, it kind of reminds me of a scene that is in the latest Batman movie, for instance, and uh, <laughs> uh, just it holds a lot of influence. Oh, yeah, cool. I don't have a lot much, not don't have a lot much else to say about it, but yeah, highly highly recommend High and Low if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen. It's much like the movie that we're going to talk about later. It's one of those that from like uh, an enormous director from right you know this time in hollywood that uh mm -hmm. i haven't i just haven't gotten to yet because it's like almost intimidating and i have to be in the right mindset or mood to watch something like that uh so yeah oh for sure for sure yeah i mean this isn't like a three hour seven samurai um it is like it is two hours and 20 minutes but yeah so i guess it is a little and that's intimidating i guess um <laughs> still an epic you know <laughs> yeah it's an epic yeah it's an epic and uh yeah definitely definitely a big important big important movie with a lot to say so i have also been trying to catch up on 2022 movies um and especially because i watched um some i watched like a bad one recently and was like wow i need to and I was like updating my list of 2022 rankings. And I was like, I need to watch some more good uh, 2022 movies. Um, or at least ones that I, that I feel positively that I'll, uh, I'll, that I'll enjoy. And so recently I watched X, um, the Ty West uh, movie right. that came out earlier this year. Because that new uh, movie Pearl is out, right? Right. Yes. I saw that came out and I saw it was in, it was, connected to uh to x which came out so i thought well i might as well uh try and get on that bandwagon now because uh yeah pearl looked really good and uh interesting so i was excited to see what x was all about knowing that they're related so uh yeah i really liked x and this is you know it's like texas chainsaw massacre meets boogie nights i've heard uh, this before yeah. yeah i've heard this before and yeah yeah i think it's uh i don't want to give too much away obviously um but there's probably plenty of people who have already seen it but 
uh yeah it's it's this film crew goes out to shoot a porno in this uh rural ranch uh that this older couple owns and then yeah people people die it's a slasher slasher film it's very creepy and eerie but there's also some weird uh there's a lot of uh uncomfortable uh like i don't know allegories throughout it you know that you can see between the the crew that's there and the couple it's just very very strange un- uncomfortable and unnerving but uh really good movie uh it's definitely so far it's it's one of my favorites of the year but that's not saying too much because i still need to uh to work on that but um yeah and it also stars uh britney snow britney snow i think that's her name uh who's she's from like like our childhood she was like a huge you a huge like teen star i have to make sure that's her <laughs> name britney snow. really britney why snow. yeah why is that i don't remember who she was that? in uh yeah it is britney snow she was in like uh pitch perfect and oh, john tucker okay. must die okay, the pacifier yeah okay she's huge yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you are right <laughs> at least i thought she was huge back then yeah. um but yeah it's her and uh, and kid cuddy and they're they're porn stars oh yeah oh shit and i never thought that i would see kid cuddy and the girl from the pacifier banging on in a movie but uh <laughs> that happens yeah hell uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and then i can't i can't talk about it without mentioning um mia goth too who uh plays two characters in this who she's also you know she's i i can't even i don't even want to say too much because i think i learned too much about it even before i saw it but uh mia goth is is really uh great uh in this too so i'm excited to see um you know what her character is like in pearl uh after seeing this so yeah i would recommend seeing x and uh yeah see pearl afterwards even though i haven't seen it yet but uh, i definitely will yeah uh last week i was uh hanging with producer jake <laughs> and he uh asked me he said he was seeing pearl that night and he was like and he was like uh yeah i'm seeing pearl tonight i would i would invite you but like it's based off this movie uh it's a sequel to the movie x and i don't think you know what either of those are and i was like (laughs) oh yeah you're right i don't um but like i definitely recall hearing about x when it was out and i do i like the boogie nights meets texas chainsaw uh, thing like i've definitely heard before and it Mm -hmm. reminds me of like oh yeah i should just really see that and ty west is one of those guys who you know you hear his name often in horror nowadays so yeah i should get on that yeah there's even a third um movie i I think it's called like maxine something like that which is also i think related to this whole pearl x universe uh that's coming out soon too so yeah it's like that uh there was that netflix horror like movie series that came out last year it's kind of like this like they're all shot in succession uh Uh, coming out coming out a few months yeah 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 yeah. uh so yeah didn't see those either but i remember you talking (laughs) about them i think i saw i just saw the first two i still haven't gotten to the to the third but um Okay, my next one is definitely an epic um, also because uh, it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. So (laughs) any of those, any of those is an epic. And uh, this is one of the only Kubricks that I hadn't seen. I think now I have seen all of Kubrick's uh, 
filmography outside of those like outside of like the three small ones that don't really count as much um but yeah i finally watched uh lolita oh which is a known as a notoriously creepy weird movie um and i can uh i can affirm that it is uh after (laughs) watching it because boy boy is it strange uh yeah, it stars uh, James Mason, uh, Shelley Winters, and Sue Lyon. Uh, James Mason is a writer. He moves into uh, this house uh, run by Char- Charlotte Hayes, uh, and he becomes obsessed with uh, her teenage daughter. Uh, basically, yeah, basically he just, uh, he's in between. Uh, he needs to, like, a place to stay uh, while he's li- uh, living and teaching I believe in this town on the East coast. And so he just kind of rents out a room um, and he gets there and he, he's just kind of checking it out the house and seeing if the living arrangements are good and all. And then he sees Lolita uh, kind of outside sucking on a lollipop and she's like 16. Uh, and uh, he just becomes enthralled with her immediately. Oof. And oh, it gets way weirder than that. It gets way weirder than that. And so he ends up forming kind of a a bit uh he he forms a ro- romantic relationship with Charlotte Hayes who he's living with cuz she's a bit of a lonely uh widow she's a lonely widow and uh so she becomes she forms this obsessive uh relationship with James Mason and also becomes very jealous when she's starts to notice that James Mason's like doing things like hanging out with like Lolita's hanging out in her room, his room and stuff like that. And, uh, and eventually Charlotte uh, Hayes dies and it becomes uh, James Mason becomes Lolita's like main caretaker. And that's when it becomes extra weird because not only is he taking care of her, he, you could just see him always feeling conflicted about his feelings for her and whatnot. And she, he, as he's becoming more and more responsible of her, like she's in a play and there's like boys that she likes in the play and stuff like that. And then she'll be out all night with boys and he starts to like become like angry as like her legal guardians. Like, why didn't you tell me where he where uh, where you were last night? But it's like the sub the subtext is that he's very jealous of her spending time with other boys and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and then it gets just it gets even more weird and bizarre as like uh, she's older now and she's like having a kid and she has like a husband and she's like needs money. Um, and James Mason comes to like give her money. This is like so, sort of spoiling deep into the plot, but like it, it's not giving too much away, I would think. And she he ends up giving her money and she's also like, He's even more jealous that like now she has like you know a kid and a husband and that that's not him and so it's just very strange to watch not only as he's very as this guy is, who's way older is very conflictedly in like attracted to a minor like this whole movie not only is yeah. that a thing but like also as he's also like kind of like vicariously like living through that like that want to be with her as she gets older and older and eventually becomes a woman and has her own life. And he's just been obsessed with her this whole time. And 
has been kind of hit been his muse for all his writing yeah very just very bizarre because it's just constant inner conflict you see with james mason as he's like oh my god i want her so bad but i can't because this isn't right you know and like she's clearly into him as well um yeah very weird um but also uh very watchable i would say because it's kubrick is like you know directs it very well and uh kind of does a good job of showing how conflicted uh james mason is and uh also peter sellers is in this film and he's also very creepy um but he's also very good in it um so i i'd like i'd recommend it if you're trying to watch uh round out kubrick's filmography uh but yeah just very bizarre very weird where does it rank for you among kubrick's filmography uh it's like at the bot towards the bottom, bottom uh for sure uh it's like better than like his like first two movies which are like known as his worst because he's still like becoming kubrick it's like before the killing you know so they're like mm. very small at the at that point and they're like an hour long so i'd say like third third to the bottom is is lolita but very watchable movie like i was like you know from the very beginning i was pretty locked into this you know you could see you could feel kubrick's hand in it like that you know that it is one of the greatest directors making it um well uh next one i got is another 2022 flick uh, called Spin Me Round. This one is directed by Jeff Baina, who's he's also done. Uh, he's I think he's married to uh, Aubrey Plaza, uh, but he also directed Horse Girl, The Little Hours, uh, and this. The only other movie I've seen of his is Joshi, that stars Thomas Middleditch, and I actually I like Joshi uh, a good amount. But uh, these are kind of all I feel like uh, all of his movies are sort of conflicting with audiences either you know some people really like it and feel like they get it and some people right right really hate it Um, (laughs) right like they're trying like they're trying to make a statement and so either you're in for it or you're not sort of deal the little hours kind of seemed like that to a degree i could see that yeah they're all a little uh offbeat um i would say and uh so yeah, so Spin Me Around is basically he this the story was inspired by the director. He heard this story of um Olive Garden would like take some managers, like the best performing managers in the country, and they'd offer them this trip to Tuscany and they'd uh you know, is Really? Yeah, they were like selling it to them as like this like you know, dream like scenario where you go to Tuscany and you learn how to cook all these amazing italian dishes from real italian cooks and there's this beautiful villa that you're going to be in and in reality they got there and it's they're just like in these dorms or like shitty like hostels and like the food sucks really? and it's so like wow. it's so poorly run and it's just a, a disaster and I, I think this might have been like a um one woman who was there wrote an article about it about her experience and it got sort of viral from that um so, so that's what this story is, is essentially based on is uh, Alison Brie is a manager at uh, this Italian restaurant. This just like a chain restaurant, like Olive Garden adjacent. And uh, yeah, she gets this trip to, uh, to Italy and 
uh, along with several other uh, people who work there, including uh, it's a great cast. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, she already she works for uh, the main guy there, but then also uh, Molly Shannon, Tim Heidecker, Zach Woods, aka Gabe from The Office, Fred Armisen, uh, Lil Rel. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great cast. Yeah. A lot of people, people we like, you know, Uh, and yeah, yeah, basically the movie starts out and it's just showing these like, it's got this like nice music behind it. And it's just showing like these bags of Alfredo sauce, just squeezing into onto like a plate of pasta. It just looks like, (laughs) yeah. So the artificial nature of Olive Garden. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great opening shot for that. Yeah. 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 I really love the, I'm I'm conflicted on this movie overall. I won't drone on too long about it, but because there are a lot of like, elements and pieces that I really liked about it but ultimately I just felt like this story was just kind of like uh I don't know it, it didn't really do anything for me it I I, I was sort of wanting more maybe and it yeah I felt like I was being teased a little bit more you know in the beginning and then it all kind of just doesn't really stick the landing in my eyes right um like, and this I is also... gonna be such a meaningful getaway for her to Tuscany and then she doesn't <laughs> he's like no, it's not at all. This is just like nothing. Yeah. Well, I more so I I more so thought it was going to be a bit more of like a disaster, you know, when they get there, which it was. I mean, it was very like subtle. They have oh, okay. like it's like clearly like weird, and they're like there's something off about the place when they all get there, and and you know there, there's like a there's like a story that unravels that it's like that it's I don't know it's sort of played up to be this like crazy thing, and then it ends up just being like oh that's kind of uh, a bit what I expected, and not in like a shocking like you know there's a slight twist so yeah i don't know i i I was hoping it would be a bit more like uh a bit just a bit funnier and uh and and maybe more interesting but i I felt like the characters were also maybe a little too specific like everyone was kind of like one one note and maybe that was a part of like having this ensemble is like you have the stupid girl you have the guy who takes things too seriously or the guy who thinks he's the funny guy you know like um it, it was right. just like a little too too uh too specific um but uh yeah yeah overall i think um i don't I, like I, I don't think it's a it's a bad movie by any means but it's definitely you have to lower your expectations for it that it's not going to that while you're watching it's not going to blow your mind um by you know when you get to okay. the third act um but you might i think okay. you might still enjoy some things from it yeah yeah, I'd probably watch. I, I could see myself watching this right. indie movie. Not a ton going on. Yeah, <laughs> Big I mean, it's, a, it's people I like. Food, yeah. and foodie, food oriented, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm conflicted on it because I I I liked a lot of the characters. You know, I thought Molly Shannon was super funny uh, throughout it, and there's you know a lot of great bits. Um, yeah, yeah, throughout, but. Um, I just don't think it was really all that funny or I, I think it's a really funny concept though. Like taking this whole scenario, mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. you know, Olive Garden chain. Going right. To- they didn't milk the premise as much as you wanted them yeah. to basically. Yeah. I, was, I can I see was, that. I was left wanting a little more, I guess. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's one of these like nice, uh, easy indie comedies to watch. Um, and it did actually make me want to watch the rest of uh, the rest of his movies, um, just because I feel like he has maybe a distinct uh, style or taste, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. But yeah, that's spin me around. Yeah, what's his name again? Jeff Banna. 
Jeff Baina, yeah, B A E N A. And they actually, there's a, a Criterion uh, closet video of him and Aubrey Plaza, right, doing their Criterion picks, and it is like the most dry, like dry, dull episode of uh, of that you'll ever see. I absolutely love Aubrey Plaza, like. Mm as a person like if she's ever she did interviews recently because of her, uh that one movie she has coming out that was out at least and she's just like so fucking funny just like her whole like demeanor like i was watching her on like like conan has that podcast now yeah yeah, um, yeah. she was on that and i was like this is she's just like great like just her her whole dry pan attitude yeah yeah, that's what like that Criterion clause video is definitely not like dry and dull in a in a bad way. It's just totally like I wonder what this couple is like at home. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like not dry <laughs> in a bad way, like dry as in like, oh, I'm totally like Interesting. on this free I'm on this frequency, you know. Like I yeah, like yeah, I yeah. like this frequency. It's I relate to this, you know. It's nice they're not playing anything up for the camera, they're just being themselves. Yeah, it's right, yeah. exactly. It's exactly. Funny. So my next film uh will be uh, a movie that you've talked about um a couple times on here. Um I finally watched uh, Joe versus the volcano. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Yeah, <laughs> and it was one where immediately I was like, okay, I can see why uh, John is so, so into this. Uh, like, like the film kind of opens with like a bunch of like uh, average Joes, as they as the movie would say, like walking into like you know, like an industrial work environment, you know, just <laughs> everyone has just, you know, a job, you know, a nine to five, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and it's at what, know, like top... the anal probe factory. Or right. Something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, Tom Hanks walks into his office and, um, uh, I believe it's, I forget what actor it is. Um, oh, he's so this... good famous actor he's uh in like night at the rock roxbury 2 i'll i'll find who this guy uh, is and dan uh, dan, dan yeah. hedaya yeah yep. he's also in maholland drive clueless usual suspects commando uh but he's yeah he's blood like simple. on the phone yeah. blood simple yeah he's a fantastic actor i mean i mainly know him from night at the roxbury because <laughs> Um, he plays their uh, he plays their dad, and he's always like he runs the flower shop, and he's like, "You guys need to get it together." And he's like the same. He's like, "You need to get a job. Stop worrying about these clogs." <laughs> and he's like, <coughs> and he's similar to um, like that in this movie, yeah, because he's always getting on Tom Hanks, and um, but I love he's just on the phone, and he's like. He's like, I'm not arguing that with you. I'm not asking if he could have the job. Can he do the job? <laughs> I'm not arguing with that with you. And it's just like such a great like filler phone conversation in an office, like coming from an actor with the like perfect like voice to like deliver that line over yeah. and over. It's just like so hilarious. Um, um, so just because of like the staging of this movie like the way it's set up i was like 
so immediately on board with it mm-hmm. um and then it just becomes like something else entirely like just becomes this like adventure movie that's um like uh yeah really ends up being about like kind of like i don't know them going to this volcano and like i mean spoilers they they kind of like die by going into this volcano but it's like a very optimistic uh at the end and i just thought that was so uh like refreshing and unique and like the tone of this movie in general is all just very very unique and Mm -hmm. uh just very very it's all very like oh fuck the world like the world is like a messed up place we don't need it but it like has a very optimistic like humorous way of going about it which i liked yeah it's very life affirming it's uh weird in a movie where a guy is like totally accepted that he's going to die right uh, yeah 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 i know that but it but it's like oddly beautiful too like like at the end like meg ryan's kind of like but i love you and he's like and he's like i know but i gotta go i <laughs> that's too bad right <laughs> like, like, like i made a deal like they, just, <laughs> like they just decided that like they just found like decide that we like they love each other and he's like and tom hanks is just kind of like yeah, I know it's too bad, huh? <laughs> like that I gotta go into the volcano now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so like wacky and whimsical, and uh, you know the sets are all crazy. Yeah. Uh, then there's that one moment though where he's, uh, I forget what the line is, but he's like looking up at the moon, and he's just like, I think he just is like, "Thank you for life" or something like that. You know, something along those lines, or it's like very like this like wacky weird comedy where he's driving around this limo in new york going on a shopping spree and then he's just like looking up at the sky and like thanking the the heavens for life or something you know it's it definitely became one of my favorites uh and i i watched it a second time shortly after i watched it uh the first time so yeah yeah it's i think it'll definitely be in my uh rotation yeah i've never seen tom hanks as like I don't know, kind of the tool for a like a more satirical movie, you know, where I don't know, like, you know, you, you it, like how Jim Carrey is in the Truman show, but like mm. this kind of made me realize I'm like, oh yeah, like Tom Hanks is like, you know, perfect for like this type of movie too. You know, you could put him in this as well. And um, there's also like a whole run of like, 80s comedy movies that tom hanks is in that i uh sort of need to go down the rabbit hole for whether it's yeah they're all like kind of silly comedies that i want to see like i haven't seen the burbs um Mm. he's in a film with john candy that i've been meaning to watch uh yeah just like a whole like a whole run of tom hanks like comedies that look kind of fun before he became like the biggest you know and had like the biggest run of anybody uh ever yeah yeah before he was playing uh what's his name in elvis forest yeah, oh or, the colonel yeah. you mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh you're you mean like this year <laughs> really recent yeah right yeah before he was wearing you know prosthetics and uh you know all this makeup to to make him look like yeah, a completely yeah, different right. person yeah right right yeah. yeah before he worked with spielberg like four times in a row you know that, yeah. that before that tom hanks he was just a a, co- a comedic actor yeah yeah before the terminal 
right <laughs> right podcast yeah, yeah. favorite yeah what's funny is i think i like at one point when i was like reading some things about tom hanks's career it was like i forget what movie it was but like there it, there was one point in the 90s where and, and it may have been forrest gump it may have been a different movie where uh studios were wondering like hey like this guy's you know you know normally known for comedies can he really do this kind of movie and like (laughs) which is funny that they were actually questioning that at one point you know yeah yeah that's so it's so weird because we didn't grow up in the time you know like we grew up like right when Forrest Gump was like the biggest thing in the world and so we didn't really know what Tom Hanks was before he was Tom Hanks um so Yeah. yeah it's it's weird to look back on that and see sort of how he was perceived uh, when he was just sort of getting his career going. Yeah, I'm excited that you got to uh, Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah, yeah. I You 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 talked about it for a couple of times, and it's been on HBO Max for a while. So, And I, I definitely was a day where I wanted a, a feel-good movie, too. All right. Well, I think I just got, like, one more uh, okay. maybe to go over. Um, Fair enough. And it's another. I'll, I'll round it out with another 2022 movie. Um, that I know you've talked about uh, when you, after you saw it, but it's the unbearable weight of massive talent, right? Which I watched uh, on the plane from Dublin oh, to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's funny is like uh, to relate this to our movie today. I saw like an interview, uh, like an interview on Instagram with Nick Cage popped up the other day, and it was him talking about like they're like what's a movie that you like watch a lot to like for your performances and he was and nick cage uh was kind of speaking like he would in the un- unbearable way to massive talent he was like i gotta say i watch uh sergio leone's once upon a time in the west a lot like um yeah, like uh there's just over and over and over again charles bronson's performance in that movie is just there's something so uh so gritty about it i just can't get enough of it you know so just to relate it to our uh our movie of the day yeah unbearable weight of massive talent um yeah i thought it was all right um that's what i thought yeah i yeah, i remember you talking about it and uh i i feel like i'm kind of in agreement um that it definitely felt like a uh a movie made to just you know appeal to the masses about you know uh fandom for for nick cage and then you know the uh, of course like as it says in the title you know having all this talent and feeling so needed like people need you to do things and then your family Mm -hmm. needs you and uh uh yeah yeah yeah, but i i guess uh it wasn't as um i I don't know i don't think it was uh the funniest movie i don't think it was uh the most like interesting either but i think you know it was a fun concept and uh yeah um one of those that's like too meta at you know it's too meta for sure yeah it's almost like uh beating you over the head with references to nick cage movies and yeah uh and yeah which i feel like is already done a lot just in you know pop culture and just everyday life in general you know people are always um i don't know nick cage is just such like a talked about movie star uh because he, he's kind of like a just a character uh in real life too that um people find interesting including you know myself so 
uh yeah yeah definitely um i think it's cool that he was like on board for something as uh you know weird and sort of uh um i don't know personally intrusive as this uh i'm sure it probably for a lot of people would be very uncomfortable to do something uh like this right. that's basically just referencing all your career's work uh in in one movie right mm-hmm. um but yeah but yeah i think um maybe really wasn't wasn't for me um but uh i feel like this is yeah this had to be one of the biggest movies of the year so far i mean when it came out i felt like um there's just a ton of buzz about it um yeah you know like i said when i saw this uh it killed audience wise like Uh, people were like laughing at every joke like Mm -hmm. eating it up and i was just kind of like I was like, ah, it's not that original as, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, there are movies where they make references to other movies, obviously. And, uh, like, it works. And it's, like, funny. Because um, it's just, like, you know, every now and then there'll be a reference to to this. And it, maybe it'll be a running joke. But this, it's, like, the whole running joke is, you know, yeah, just this, this meta. Everything meta. You know, it's, like, Nick yeah. Cage playing himself also referring to all everything that he's done in his career and uh yeah 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 i think it got got a bit much but it also is it's not one that i was like really disappointed by or i didn't find it like very grating uh or anything i just thought it was it was fine so what uh something that does have a lot of movie references uh bringing it back around actually is uh ted lasso has an insane amount of movie references. Like they write jokes about like referencing movies. Like it's insane. Like, um, like I was watching an episode the other day. It's like, son, have you seen Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia? And I'm like, wow, like that's so like up my alley. But like you never see people doing movie references that much. And and uh, yeah, like it's just one of those where you could tell it's written by like television writers like yeah they make it very obvious and he goes like there's a, a joke where he's like what's the first rule of my fight club and then he's like no fight club he's like no fight club when he's trying to break <laughs> break up his team yeah yeah i don't remember that from the show but i guess you know i guess that ties into his character making him like super american just like referencing yeah yeah, yeah it's american it movies super, all the time it, it, yeah. yeah i guess i mean but also it just sounds more like it's written by writers in Los Angeles that yeah. are very in the Hollywood into Hollywood. And yeah, they know like all these he, references too. And yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he had a line um, on another episode, which I thought was funny because I live in LA. It was, um, it was like the uh, coach, the owner of the team. She was like, I don't eat sugar or something like that. And, he goes like, hmm, we have a place where they don't eat sugar uh, in America. Is like, it's this godless place called Santa Monica. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. Um, once again, he's from Kansas. Like, you know, he shouldn't, you know, be that in tune with these things. It just sounds like writers in L.A. are writing. Yeah, it. that's definitely um, like for uh, L.A. Um, okay, so that's the end of our little short movie bender. Uh, now time for our movie of the day. Uh which actually uh I, the first thing i want to bring up about this is like we're kind of coming full circle 
um, because I think we started out um, in this podcast like doing uh, Leone movies. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're back to it. And um, on top of that, this is like uh, the one of the only Leone movies I haven't seen. Uh, I no no I never no never mind. Uh, <laughs> I have I've only not seen like one Leone movie. Uh, uh, like yeah like it's like this western that came before Once Upon a Time in America. Other Duck, than that, I've sucker. seen all of them. Yeah yeah exactly yeah. Have you seen it? I I've seen parts of it. I actually distinctly remember watching. Uh like starting to watch duck you sucker and falling asleep and then never getting back to it. Um, and realizing that now, and we are going back to Leone and I was like, Oh yeah, duck you sucker. Oh, yeah, I should I, finish that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I really liked the opening of it. There are some cool shots like in this one yeah. where you kind of see um, like just people's eyes looking through things, uh, <laughs> which, which is a weird right, way to describe right. it. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm hoping to get to that one too, but, this is my first viewing of uh, Once Upon a Time in America. And yeah, I was, I was thinking... surprised. I was surprised by that, that you hadn't seen it. But mm-hmm. I think this is actually like one that it is a very super iconic movie um, that not necessarily everyone has seen as well, because just some people still haven't gotten to it. Yeah. And it's definitely like uh, the the runtime is for sure a factor. part of that. Reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, almost four hours. And then I was reading that originally Leone wanted to make it uh, like two, three hour movies and then whittled it down to like four and a half hours. And then finally, like the, they approved the production company approved it at three forty something, whatever it is now. But when it was originally released in the U S they cut it down to without telling him, apparently they cut it down to like two hours 20 minutes something like that and they made it all in chronological order um which really has to be a completely different movie because this this one bounces around quite a bit right right uh throughout so yeah yeah it it took me a while to get to it and that's why when you mentioned this i was like well this this will finally get this is the time yeah yeah, this is the time this is the motivation i need to actually uh get to this movie so yeah, I yeah. saw this movie when I was like 19 and I was like watching all the big movies, you know, I, I'd mm. probably also watched, you know, Shawshank around this time and I <laughs> probably watched Pulp Fiction and The Godfather around this time. Um, and it definitely, uh, this movie definitely like I did not probably get get it. Uh, because not only was it so long i just remember it like going on forever for sure um mm, yeah and and it has a lot of themes that and uh a lot of just things with the character and the ideas of uh of like following uh an entire life and stuff like that are, are just things that i did not understand at the time um so like i i'm coming it i'm coming to it uh with very fresh uh, eyes as well yeah yeah i uh i think it will definitely take another uh one or two viewings to really just wrap my head around the whole story as to like you know from beginning to end of 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 what all happened um and i and i did watch this in two parts 
thinking that that might help me sort of just like, okay, just let's just digest these like two, you know, two at a time or yeah. one at a time uh, in two parts. And, uh, and I, and I feel like I don't remember enough of what happened uh, in the first part uh, as opposed to when I watched the second part. So it definitely requires another viewing, but it's one of those, it's just, especially nowadays, it's so easily to get distracted from watching something that's almost four hours long uh just in succession so so yeah i i think um you know another leone movie that we've talked about is once upon a time in the west which like this takes its time and Mm -hmm. uh can definitely definitely be slow at parts but um i think with once upon a time in the west it was a little more um i don't know uh attention grabbing to me in a way where it, it starts out uh, in the beginning and it's you know these guys just like all looking at each other there's just this weird noise going on in the background like well yeah it starts and... off with a suspenseful scene yeah it's very suspenseful sure. rather than like this movie when it begins it kind of shows you this guy who's like because of because it bounces around especially i think on the first viewing um yeah like you it is confusing when you're just watching a guy like reflect um yeah. and it's slow and 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 the fact that it's taking its time um and it, it it like it is he's slowly like you know comes de niro slowly comes back to new york you know yeah um because i forgot that about this since i hadn't uh uh seen it in a while and i forgot that this movie was about um, showing a whole life and also a, about like being very self-reflective um so mm-hmm. even though i was like yeah yeah i was like and, and plus it also does take uh it takes its time like in almost like a titanic way to be like okay now we're gonna go back to the time that we're talking about where all yeah. this happened you know it, it does take its time and i was kind of waiting for the shot where it was going to um, you know, dissolve to like the twenties again, the pro the pre prohibition era, but it, it kept, you know, it kept like not being the shot, you know? And uh, <laughs> I think it was like, it was like, you know, it's like 20 or 30 minutes in or something like where it finally um, is. But overall, I do think that, that it, it is very interesting in what Lo- Leone is t- trying to do. And, I think it is like when you've seen the movie already, I do think it is very effective um, when De Niro is uh, looking back at his old stomping grounds and is also very on edge and uh, like is very um, just looking at all he's left behind, knowing what he ends up doing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like it being this uh, somewhat tragic uh just dark and like yet and but fascinating like reflective thing for de niro i i think it is like kind of it makes sense why he opens on that and why he chooses to tell the story uh this way oh definitely i mean i definitely i get it i think it it just wasn't as uh easy for me to get into it right away um right as with all his spaghetti westerns um yeah but uh um, but I also, yeah, I didn't know too much about this movie overall going into it. And so I wondered like, oh, is this, so I knew like the premise a little bit. So I thought, is this going to be more of like, 
you know, is this going to be have a lot of you know, violence or action uh, or stuff? And then, you know, the very beginning, you see a lot of like blood and uh, yeah, you know, yeah. torture like stuff. And you're like, OK, right. This is this is Sergio Leone. He influenced right. Tarantino. Yep. Like, this is the guy. OK, yeah. Like, uh, of course, that there's still going to be that in this movie. And then I find out later on, there's a lot of it. Uh, yeah, these guys are like brutal. When, yeah, when the guns, when you see the gun shots, you see like the close up that Leone has of uh, the close up of just the head getting smashed, you know, by yeah, the bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you see, and I, also what's very interesting about this movie is that it is the one Leone that isn't a Western at all. Well, I mean, you could make the argument that at times it is a Western, but it is not in the spaghetti Western realm. So I think it is very interesting that he chose this um, for his last film. Yeah, it really is. It, it, it seems, uh, I mean, it, it seems such like a Leone movie, but, uh, you know, weird seeing it in a completely different setting. But uh, yeah, it, but it's just, I mean, Part of the reason too is like the the Morricone score. It, yep. it sounds the, at, at the times very like Western. whistling, the whistling always yeah. that comes up. And you know, like the the kids are like running by the bridge, like that iconic shot. Oh yeah, um, yeah, such an I, iconic shot. And yeah. I've I really want to go to that. What do you know where that is in New York? I don't, but I I've, I've seen like there's like stock photos and like a million photos of this same shot that I'm sure this may be popularized. I think it's from Brooklyn, like I think looking so towards, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the Manhattan bridge or the Brooklyn bridge or, yeah. Um, or Queensboro, whatever bridge it is. But I bet it's like one of those places. If you Brooklyn. go there, like the amount of people, like it's just everyone there ruins the spot. Cause yeah. they're all like, taking the pick in front of the fact that there is a perfect just frame of the bridge at the end of this road. And it is just awesome, you know, that, and that is like, yeah, that is what makes this movie so iconic is that it probably, yeah, it popularized that and they were able to get shots of just these kids walking in front of which of that bridge, which you would probably never uh, be able to do in real life. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but that's the what the iconic "Once Upon a Time in America" cover for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, now if you probably went there, it's probably just filled with people standing there with their phones, taking the, getting out of you know, trying to get out of each other's ways to take a, mm-hmm. a picture of it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's other like I did see a lot of ways in that this is a Leone because I was like thinking about uh, I don't know how am I going to compare this to the other gangster movies I've seen, you know, like how similar is this to the Godfather? I mean, because it is like set in the era of the Godfather and whatnot, but there is so much, uh, Leone is so um, stylistically himself that like whatever movie he's going to make, even if it isn't in a Western, I think you will see um, how it's a Leone. Like um, there's certain aspects like of, just suspense and as you said people looking through like doorways and holes and stuff like that like um like there's de niro looking at his childhood crush through the um the hole that he was like looking he would always used to stare at through and that's the big uh the big like dissolve to back to you know a flash 
back to that time where she's in there like dancing and he, how he used to like spy on her all the time. Uh, and there, and like, there's all that suspense building stuff. Like there's um like, there's a one scene where De Niro like comes back after, uh, you know, spending time with uh, that girl and also raping her. And they're, they're talking about um, like a job they just pulled. And it's kind of, the scenes kind of to show that uh, De Niro is not really, he's distancing, distancing himself with, from James Wood and his child, like the gang and stuff like that. And how they just kind of pulled a job without him. And there's just all this like kind of weird, like tension where a lot of just a lot of uh, close-ups of people around the room and kind of eye, everyone's kind of eyeing one another Um and it doesn't really build towards a shoot-off scene or anything like that, but it feels like it's about to, you know? And it feels just very Leone as if, like, it's a bunch of men in a tavern who don't entirely trust each other, you know? And yeah. that's, yeah, it's stuff like that. Um, there's also, um, there's a shootout towards the end where, um you can tell it's about to happen um and like it shows people carrying a coffin and it shows them following the coffin and you're like oh what's gonna happen where's the shooting gonna come from and it comes like from the car you know on the other side yeah. of the coffin. it's just like that staging and that like that element of staging and like editing that leone has like where it's very in control of the like the camera and the and like the cutting to where it's like it just distinguishes him so well yeah it's interesting watching because i i feel like i've watched the dollars trilogy uh each of those movies at least two or three times now so you definitely get a good idea of leone's style so then watching something like right. this is completely different it's yeah it's cool to see how he incorporates that into a gangster movie yeah uh, yeah and the oh my god the just the production design of old new york uh, yeah yeah so yeah, good yeah. too mm-hmm. just yeah every, yeah yeah which i also um looked up that the uh the cinematographer for this was the same one from good the bad and the ugly and once upon a time in the west um yeah i think his you know. whole team was like a part of this because I looked at the production team and it's all these Italian names, um, <laughs> which is funny because it's once upon a time in America. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's not even like Italian American uh, Americans in this. It's Jewish Americans. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like a fascinating final film, but it's also like it is such an epic that I you see why it's like his final final film. And it's like very self-reflective in like an Irishman sort of way. Yeah. And it's also ve- people very like um, towards the end, like James Wood is very much, you could tell he's like very much full of regret um, and everything. And uh, De Niro on the other hand is like somewhat more at peace with everything, which is very, which is interesting. Uh, like maybe an autobiographical somewhat and like maybe him channeling some of his like own feelings into the work and whatnot. Um, this movie was also written 
by a shit ton of people like Sergi Leone oh, really? and <laughs> a bunch of others. Yeah. A ton of people on this movie writing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, it's, yeah, it's very existential and uh, yeah. 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 It, uh, more so than, I mean, obviously like uh, his spaghetti Westerns, they have like, you know, maybe more profound messages that you can find in there or, you know, just really interesting stories. Uh, you know, I feel like, especially with once upon a time in the West, um, when you find out the backstory of Charles Bronson and everything, but, uh, yeah, this one is just very, like you said, self-reflective that, you know, maybe this at the end of his career and he didn't, he didn't know it was going to be the end of his life, but, uh, he just died a few years later, I think, but yeah, he goes more into the self-reflective, um, sort of mindsets yeah, yeah. And, and and it's like the movie that i think is like famous it's like famous and known for the fact that it's like you know and, and a lot of and it's it's like a type of movie that not only the score but also that like the imdb it's like you know you see it on the imdb 250 probably like because it's mm-hmm. got that like oh it's the movie that uh like you see them when they're kids and then they get older, you know, like, like <laughs> they, you see their whole like life, like what movies do, how many movies like do that, that sort of thing. And yeah, um, like, like in a, not like, like I'm bashing it for, but I, I think this is like a very populist movie at the same time. Like mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the uh, Morricone score, like the main one that plays throughout a lot is just very like, Oh, we're in what we're watching one of those like very like popular, like well-regarded movies like that. IMDb 250 Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption type movies. Yeah. And they, they even, um, I don't know if this is Morricone or, or what, but there's also like popular music um, intertwined in there too. That's like orchestral. Like there's a, um, like an orchestra version of yesterday uh, the Beatles song. Oh, by the Beatles, really? Yeah, I don't know if you caught that, but it, that's in the, the middle of there. Towards the beginning, there's. Uh, I was. Like, I did not sounds... catch that at all. It's like this sounds like yesterday, and then I looked it up, and it's like, yeah, it's a version of yesterday. Uh, Interesting. That, yeah, it's not and of that... the error of this movie at all. No, it's so it's so weird because it's not you know it's '60s, which isn't covered really. I guess when he's older, maybe that, but but I think this was in a scene when he was like younger when De Niro was younger. I can't remember the exact scene, but, uh, but yeah. So then I was trying to figure out if like later on, if there are any other like popular songs um, that were like orchestra pieces of that, I just couldn't figure out. But, uh, but yeah, Um, if you go back to the beginning and and watch that part, you'll, you'll hear it. Yeah. I guess, I mean, at that point, like it's the eighties and Beatles have been in every like Leone was probably like I have to you know put this in there it's like it's it speaks everything I want the character to think of for this movie so might as well you know yeah I, yesterday is a good pick uh for this type of movie um, yeah yesterday all my trouble seems so far away yeah I also think it's interesting that Leone does all these like American movies like very American movies like I know like the spaghetti westerns are all shot in Europe uh, and whatever but like the old west and mm-hmm. like prohibition clint eastwood and prohibition and yeah. yeah these are all like very like major points in american history 
um and this italian director is he you know seems to be so uh into um that and it, so yeah i just find it interesting that leone's all of leone's movies are about i don't know big moments in in american history um having not even been right. uh an, yeah an american citizen so yeah i think that's just interesting i don't know what to what to do with that anecdote but uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's something there's something there <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean i guess we can get into the like we could break down some of this in like the sections of the movie uh mm-hmm. there's like the section with the ch- where the the childhood section of course uh uh where you see like where james woods and de niro were like um or 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 uh or the, as they call them, noodles, noodles, noodles. and uh, Max, yeah. uh, where they basically grew up being childhood uh, delinquents, pretty much like <laughs> um, the like thieves, if you will. And uh, and it's kind of like I don't know, but it's also it's a kind of just uh, like it's just kind of like fun to see them running a business as kids and like. Uh, the old scrapping, the old scrapping days and stuff. Uh, and like, what do they do for business again, John? Like they, I guess petty crimes. Is that what you could, they would just do? Like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Perfect way to put it. Petty, petty crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> at one point the cops are like, get out of here. You know, you're doing this here. And like there shows like little corruption with the cops and stuff like, um, yeah. This movie isn't as much about to me, like where a lot of gangsters are about gangster movies are about like the need to um, like, like that the gangsters felt that like people feeling the need to do like to go into crime because America gives no other options. That's kind of like, to me, what a lot of gangsters movies that are at their best are about is that like, it started off as a need to put food on the table or like it was convenient because like, like the need to find a normal job in, a, in like America is like unreasonable, like living it under the restrictions of American society. Like you basically become like a Jamoke with like, who's sitting around, like as Henry Hill says, we're now I'm sitting around like everyone else just waiting for, the next check to come in, I'm just like a schmo. You know, I think like, I don't think Once Upon a Time in America necessarily has that yeah. um, aspect to it because it doesn't really build that these kids are from poverty necessarily or anything like that. It just kind of shows that this is like a gang, like this is how these two, like this is more about a relationship. Like these are two friends yeah. and they started off as we said doing petty crimes i think this movie like i you know it's obviously it's it's very epic and i think a lot of the the tragic tragedy uh at tragic aspects of it do come together for me later but i will say one of the fault like you know outside of the fact that this movie this movie's you know, also incredibly well made and stuff and directed, as we said, but I'd say one of the faults I would give this movie um, is that because there, like, there is not, it because this movie is not as much about, uh, like, why they are criminals, you know, they just, like, they just are criminals, you know, and it's, like, mm-hmm. more about 
um, the life of these criminals. Um, I think that I have, uh, I feel less, a far less empathy towards all these guys than I do to other gangsters and other gangster movies. And on, because also on top of that, uh, on top of that, these are some of the like probably shittiest um, gangsters in movies. Yeah. Um, I think like we can probably agree on that. As we said, like with the, um, all the violence later, that is very, just very out of hand. Um, and as kids, they're like, as kids, they are very like, they're shitty. Kind of yeah. shitty kids, you know, <laughs> and like, like they immediately at one point just start like, like also this movie has like some of the most like open, like sex in movies. Like, like, I don't know if it was actually like that in the twenties or what, but like, like they have, like when they're kids, they immediately like just start like, like banging this prostitute because they catch the like officer banging the prostitute. And I'm pretty sure like De Niro or James Wood, I, I might be De Niro just like straight up, just like walks up to the like prostitute and starts just like loses his virginity right there. Like, you yeah. know, as, like bangs her like on the like building roo rooftop, like real quick. And it's just like, and they're, and they're like, so like, they're such like animals, like, like yeah. with women like throughout like way more than like other gangsters like in movies are like other gangsters like they have that like in movies like they usually have that scene where they you know like they feel the need to woo them or something like that and like they they usually do because they have everything because they steal everything you know whatnot and uh you know scarface is like first in america you get the money then once you get the money, you get the woman. He's <laughs> like, that's how it works. And in this movie, they are just animals, like with women, yeah. like um, like banging them in the back of cars, like while there's drivers there, you know, all all that shit. And it's just like, so I think like I don't know, these guys are just so shitty, and because they have because of that, um, because they they don't have that like, oh, this is where this is why they're doing this. This is where they came from. It's like, they don't, you don't feel as, as much empathy throughout towards these guys. Um, yeah. Like, like they don't have that, like, Oh, uh, Michael Corleone, because like he felt the need to protect his family. That's why he ended up running a mafia empire, you know, all like, all like that thing I'm looking for necessarily, but it, it, it's more about like, there's these two friends who grew up, being hooligans together and that's their pastime was you know they grew up doing petty crimes they and, and then which ended up growing into a giant business and one ended up going to prison the other one ended up taking the business to greater heights and ended up you know bringing his best best friend into those like better times when he came back and that's what the relationship's really about. So it is like that. That stuff is very interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, it you know, it, it's more about that like relationship between the the shitty guys. Um, yeah, I, I actually thought it was like funny. Uh, wait, I'll, I'll 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 get to it. It won't seem funny at first, but I'll get to it. Um, <laughs> you'll see. Um, so the rape scene 
with De Niro, uh, yeah, hilarious obviously yeah. very br- I'm yeah, so yeah. Funny, I'm getting yeah. to it I'm getting to it it's obviously very brutal man does De Niro play like a bunch of shitty add that to the repertoire of De Niro's like really just shitty characters um yeah yeah it, it's just really insane like uh like that the the uh I think the beats with um, with uh, uh, De Niro's tr- childhood crush um, is like Deborah. Is that yeah, Deborah, who's actually played by Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Um, as, the as a kid, which actually makes sense. Uh, it kind of looks like her, but yeah, the fact that he has that childhood crush and then he thinks about her all of prison he has this scene where he rents out a restaurant um and like woos her woos her there and he says like all right now let's do it i've done what i like i've done what i like you know i've earned this now you should be with me now and she's like oh yeah. no i'm i'm moving to hollywood um it's so all transactional Right. Yeah. So he's like, so that he's like, so he rapes her in a car and it's brutal. Um, the driver, like the driver keeps going the whole time and doesn't look mad till like after it's over. I don't know. Like what later when he like goes to the train to see her off and she goes away on the train and then the like Morricone score like plays again, you know, just that, no 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 i was kind of like wait like what are we what is this supposed to like mean right now you know what i mean that like yeah de niro's like a piece of shit like we you know we we get it like i just thought like it's such like melancholic music to play during just that moment you know yeah yeah those were uh those scenes are pretty brutal and uh bless you <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah like you said animals like i i was thinking like they're very like primal like yeah they're, they're like, like at the bar at one point just like hump it basically like dry humping that like bigger woman they're like when do i get action with you and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah which uh i guess yeah it, it does remind me a little bit of leone's westerns but more so like the wild bunch uh where yeah like, which they, is also a very like a really brutal and violent movie i remember yeah yeah and they like you know sam peckinpah hired like actual prostitutes from where they were filming to like you know be in it and it was it's very oh yeah that makes a ton of sense it's very dirty and uh mm-hmm. yeah and then graphic uh sexually but uh yeah this um yeah yeah the, the the rape scenes in this were really just brutal to watch because uh, yeah. they, they seemed very um i don't know i don't know they they show a lot they're <laughs> and, real uh, they're well done and they're like long it's not just like a quick like mm-hmm. oh see this this what happens it's like no you're well yeah because yeah de niro like de niro i think like not to get technical but yeah he like he like finishes i think like twice with the girl yeah like he yeah he like goes for more which is fucked up uh and it's just the fact that like they're driving the whole time and that someone's like letting this happen you know is just insane yeah Um, there's another isn't the scene when um 
James Woods picks him up from prison. Isn't there like a woman in the back seat that he has sex with? Oh, too? No. So, yeah, he has sex. Is... Yeah, he like he has sex with her like right away. Yeah, it's like uh, like that's such right just like a prison. part of their. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like a, a, a normal thing for them. Mm-hmm. It's just to just uh, yeah uh, take advantage. Yeah, we of must the... have. We must have the women. Yeah, there's yeah. no like, there's not even much of a courting aspect of it, you know. And no. and, and what's especially um, tragic and about the rape scene uh, with De Niro is that like she like kind of initiates, you know, initiates it. You know, and like she's like like she's always had feelings for him, and mm-hmm. she definitely feels bad that she, for rejecting him, and. Uh, so and also like you know just kind of like she wants to show affection that um, she did miss him after all this time you know she's he's her childhood crush as well and she's going away so she's like I want to kiss you and he takes that as like you know he like he's clearly like butthurt that he didn't get anything out of like his massive courting of her so he takes it as okay i must have you now you know like yeah like doesn't have any romance involved out of that left you know that's what's incredibly fucked up about that scene as well as he's just clearly in his like i don't know you know wants to let out everything he was trying to hold back from like prison basically and the fact that he thought about her in prison and he just really blows his moment with her you know yeah i didn't think about this until right now but uh it also reminds me of a much much worse version of a taxi driver when he takes cloris leachman on a date to the porno movie yeah yeah it's um i I was watching actually a uh, a tarantino nerding out video of talking about once upon a time in america uh because i thought that would give me more insight and actually he does make that exact comparison oh, really? of two taxi driver yeah yeah these are very conflicted uh characters and uh <laughs> and i think um speaking of tarantino there's another uh i forget what interview this is but he's talking about how movies in the 70s you know that show that the the, the protagonists aren't necessarily always great people and you know the main character doesn't have to be like the hero or whatever and then the 80s changes that but yeah this is this is one of those movies too where it's the you know the people you are following their lives from beginning to end are not good people but you're seeing their like true right. like human emotions and and uh the same sort of emotions that we that everyone you know feels just getting older and uh, and growing up but Right. Um, except the uh yeah. the stakes are probably way higher than our personal lives because of yes. what's going down i do not think i will have a moment uh like de niro and james woods do uh <laughs> like i i i don't think john and i we, we john you and i will have i don't think i i hope you don't ask me to kill you after after all the podcasting days <laughs> yeah. like I screwed you over with the podcast. <laughs> just kill me. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna be we're gonna be all old and gray. I the turned same the thing. podcast into a multi-million dollar corporation. Yeah. <laughs> just kill me. I get out of I yeah, one of us gets out of prison and returns to the podcast and yeah, we can't take it anymore. <laughs> returns to the podcast, tries to hop onto the, the podcast Zoom, life. 
yeah. the zoom corporate the zoom call <laughs> yeah that's like uh it's like for us if one of us got out of prison instead of uh having a girl there to um to you know bang in the back of the car we'd go to like <laughs> the music box you take me to the music box or something yeah some uh or alamo draft house oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> yeah right out, right out of prison i go to the music box theater that's just how into cinema i am what they're showing blowout the diploma blowout oh my <laughs> god yeah <laughs> yeah um that's also a great uh a great Leone suspense scene, I feel, uh, when De Niro, like, like he had, there's a garbage truck uh, st- in between James Woods and De Niro at the end there. And it almost feels like, all right, all right, James Woods is going to whack De Niro now. And he has the garbage yeah. truck there. Like, the garbage truck is clearly working for James Woods to dispose of his dirty laundry. And James Woods kind of walks with the garbage truck. And it's just kind of shows Woods like kind of peep like kill himself into the garbage truck and how he's washed away with the other garbage. Yeah. That one I had to go back and, and watch over again. I didn't quite like Yeah, catch it's not a hundred percent clear, I would say, but it's yeah. Cause I, yeah, like I was when a they hold on the first time. him staring into the truck and being like kind of like yeah. damn, you know, it, it is a little obvious what happened. Yeah, and I, I I had to go back. I was like, did did what happen? Did what I think happened just happen? Um, yeah, a very yeah, very like interesting ending. And uh, yeah, I saw some. I was reading some other things about it that say it's very like uh, I don't know, dreamlike was the word. Um, but uh, just you know, describing someone looking back on their life in this sort of way and then it totally a lot of the movie like really after reading that like clicked with me a lot more uh just like when you look back on your life and it's kind of it's a little blurry and foggy and some things are Mm -hmm. um you know you probably you know romanticize some things a little bit more in your head uh and uh yeah yeah right it it definitely that definitely like hit it home for me all the self-reflection and looking back uh on the past um that happens in this yeah, just like the fact that it's like so important to him that uh, he always looked at her, her through that one wall doorway, you know, from his, you know, like every single spot, you know, he remembers. Like, like I say, if I, I were going to go back to Glen Ellen, I would have that feeling about certain areas, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's not as cool as going back to you know brooklyn or wherever this is and walking <laughs> around and like oh this was once the prohibition you know and like let's and whatnot and like we used to own this joint you know and all all, all that um but that's what it is and that's what's what's uh cool about it and yeah the fact that he used to watch her do ballet there um and like that that it was like such a romantic like you know child youthful like crush and time mm-hmm. and that he kind of always saw her through that um through that light and that then he went to prison and he tried to recapture that after and then 
and then he, you know, raped her. And then he's clearly not going to have that. Uh, you know, clearly his chance is gone with that. But then he's still an old man and he's still like that feeling of seeing her through that, like still like brings him like that, you know, great nostalgia. And uh, um, yeah, he's clearly in that he's not enjoying his life now, and the, though, but he's able to like reflect on all. All, on times like that, which make him feel good. Yeah. Yeah. A very, uh, yeah, very somber uh, ending, ending to the movie, but. Yeah, and yeah. when I thought, like, the the actual ending itself, I was actually, like, really surprised um, on how dark it was. Um, uh, yeah, that it's just him, him smoking opium. Yeah. Um, and like just like him him high on opium is like the final shot uh is i was not expecting that to be the final shot yeah really uh yeah it it definitely is like uh yeah it, it's like a bummer of a of an ending um yeah it really but also, is yeah but but also yeah i guess you know realistic in a way of just uh I don't know the the realities of life, especially. Yeah, a life and and he's not even like lived. old necessarily. Like in that shot, it's like going back to like when he was in his like, you know, he was like just out of prison, young adult, yeah. and like in his prime technically. Yeah. And that's like what he what we're like we're left to sit with is that in the prime of his life he would get to escape and like hang out in the opium lounges pretty much yeah yeah well well uh well i hope we all find our yeah. opium lounge one yes day. what's your what's your opium den you know tell us in the comments below what's your personal <laughs> opium den yeah this is Mine, uh my for one is wendy's four for five <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's the modern day opium den. Yeah. But yeah, like um, like I was saying, like, cause that main Leone like score in this, like, takes it, it reminds me of um the Morricone score uh, rather. It reminds me of like Shawshank Redemption music, like hmm. feel good almost like yeah. this movie's like a inspirational populist epic feel good movie. And while it is an epic and it is a populist movie, it is not a feel-good movie for a second. Um, no. And uh, I think it is that is what separates it from the populist epics that it, it is in the category of. Um, and like I, you know, it kind of like ends like there are there are some uplifting like things that towards the end like where De Niro decides not to kill James Woods and he's feels like he's forgiven the past and mm -hmm. stuff like that and but then the fact that it ends on that shot and it is playing this score which I like listen to it a I recommend yeah listen to it again after the main theme of this movie john because i don't think it goes with a lot of things in this movie personally <laughs> um <laughs> like i said with him like it's like the music for the post rape scene i don't think it mm. really necessarily works yeah. for that 
um and then it, it's like the music for him just being like kind of very sadly out of his mind on opium like it's just kind of like it, like the music for this kind of reminds me of something that'd be in more like like driving miss daisy shawshank redemption or forrest gump or something like that like um yeah yeah, I'll definitely have to re-listen to the to the whole soundtrack again. It's just not what you think would be playing after some dude brutally rapes like the love of his life, and yeah. that, or maybe I I don't know, maybe it is I don't know that like that's you can make the argument. It's up to one's own opinion, but it's why I was saying that I thought it was like funny that the music was playing <laughs> when De Niro. I'm like, wow, De Niro's just. What are we, what is like the, like, it's almost as if we're supposed to learn some lesson and I'm like, what's the lesson? De Niro is like a real sh- piece of shit, like scum of the earth guy, you know? Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely go back to the, to the soundtrack because uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Speaking of just like sounds in general, I also um, felt like uh, one Leone trope. Uh, that I noticed was in the beginning, there's this phone that just rings incessantly right, over right. and over again. And that reminded me of, um, there might be other um, other of his movies that I can't think of uh, instances like this, but like in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, when you just hear like the creaking of like the- Yep, the in the opening, of, the famous yeah, opening. Or the dripping of water, you know, just like right. all these, these sounds that are- um, like it's not all natural sound, but um, just sounds of like, you know, an object doing something in the background that just is like yeah. constant. Because I remember being um, like so annoyed by the phone ringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, yeah, then it just reminds me That's a me choice, that. John. Yeah. A directorial choice. Yeah. What is the purpose of this fucking choice? Idiot. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Fucking <laughs> idiot. Pick up the fucking phone. God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> did phones ring that long back then my god yeah it's rings totally like, unrealistic yeah it's on my someone would like, have picked it up by now yeah mine rings like a third of that time yeah before it goes to voicemail <laughs> there's another example of sound in this uh where uh, uh de niro's kind of walking along the bridge and he's kind of like afraid he's gonna get like you know he's on edge because he's in his own old stopping grounds and he's uh you know he gave everyone like away so he's an enemy of everyone there so he's kind of on edge and uh like kind of a frisbee goes over his head and it's just like it makes this like whooshing oh, like yeah like noise as if and he and he like has to duck and he's it's almost as if like a bullet like went over him like that's like his actual fear and like i thought that was very leone as well and like very like kind of um like stinging foley that you only find in uh uh uh, uh leone western uh because i don't know if you know this i actually heard this from a friend over the weekend uh this is not my own knowledge but uh leone when he shot movies uh would like replay the score for the movie oh, while yeah. he shot and they would dub everything so production sound like sound was not recorded necessarily like post-production sound was a huge thing for a leone film like so when you have little like 
little inserts like that, like of a Frisbee going and a little like a huge noise being made for like to create anxiety. That was big post-production sound along with the fact that he like would dub every piece of dialogue just because uh, he wanted to play his scores on the, you know, actual production of the movie. Yeah, there's a good uh, YouTube video on on that. I, it might even be Nerdwriter, uh, but just on why uh, Leone plays uh, plays his soundtrack during filming, something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd heard that before through that video. Um, but yeah, that frisbee, that frisbee sound. It's it almost reminds me of uh, like someone's hat getting shot off. Uh, right in a exactly yeah. exactly that's kind of like what a, it is yeah or something yeah just this little right. like yeah swoosh um yeah yeah no that's a cool scene I'm, I'm glad you uh you brought that up i forgot about that the frisbee's just coming straight for his head and he he ducks yeah um but yeah i mean uh overall i um i don't have that much more to say I, this is one i wanted to like rather than others where I know too much about the film, I wanted to like gain further insight. And I, I feel like I have for sure. And uh, it definitely was fun to be like, to nerd out and be like, you know, I see why, how this was shot like a Leone in a Western. Interesting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think I enjoyed it more. I think maybe if I watched this before watching any of the other uh, you know, Leone spaghetti westerns. I might not have liked it as much, but uh, I enjoy. And I mean, that's anecdotal evidence. Stupid, but uh, but I yeah, I, that was part of the enjoyment for me was just seeing sort of the Leone, uh, you know, right mm-hmm. uh, style throughout this, yeah. uh, and and sure. just recalling. I um, those. I overdo like gangster movies, like. Um, you know, I, I've seen all the gangster movies. I could, I could like write like, you know, like essays on every single one about my own personal takes on them. So I don't need more gangster shit in my life necessarily. So for this, and and this doesn't really add more like, oh, thank God I saw this gangster movie, you know, like this is an essential to the gangster genre necessarily, um, but like that, so mainly what I took from it was uh, just, yeah, the style of Leone in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also j- just the, the story is, of course, I mean, it better be. It's like almost four hours. The story is uh, very interesting as well. <laughs> yeah, yes. That, that also helps. <laughs> it's a good story. I mean, at least for it being four hours, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah, they did. There's definitely plenty of story in a four-hour movie. So, but I mean, like I said, uh, this story really, like, what takes it away from me is that uh, there, uh, like, the fact that this movie it starts off and it's about a bunch of shitty kids and how they do a bunch of shitty things when they're adults. Um, and how they look, they grow old, and they really just look back on all the wrong things they did. And there isn't much more to it than that. I do like the self-reflect, the the, the self-reflecting aspects. I mean, cinema really does give everyone a vehicle to 
for memory. I think that's one of the more interesting, like that's uh, when it's used most interestingly. I just wish that like, like the Irishman, for instance, has that like, there's a lot of characterization into um, like the character uh, Frank, the character De Niro plays to where you understand why he gave in, like why he, uh, he felt the need to give loyalty to both Jimmy Hoffa and Joe Pecci. And like, you know, there's like, it just like, like there's always like that, uh, you know, there's that point of view given to the Merrick main character of like why they got into the life, which makes, which makes you give the empathy to why they end up like, why he ends up looking back on everything uh, and like is alone at the end and why mm-hmm. that is so tragic. And I think that um, you don't really have that uh, same thing here as much. Um, although it is like, it is sad when like um, he is talking to, I keep calling her the childhood crush, but that's like what he, she, I should know Deborah. the fucking name. Deborah, yeah, the Deborah. <laughs> when they're kind of talking to her at each other at the end, it is kind of like very, even you could tell on her end because I I was kind of watching and I was like, I was like, why is she fucking even letting him in the room right yeah, now? Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I think now that I look back on it, I think it is very much like she's kind of looking back on it, like, dang, we could have like been together if it what weren't for been? all this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like she was like, it's kind of very shitty for her. Cause she's like, as you were my, like, you know, you were my like childhood crush. You were like the love of my life too. You know, that's what makes this so sad. Like if only, you know, you didn't have this close relationship with James Woods and you didn't go to, you didn't go to prison in the first place for doing things together. You know, if only like, as he says, like, eventually like i you know i go where you go if only that friendship didn't exist you know in the first place i guess is um the tragic aspect of it yeah yeah it's uh he ruined it for for both him and and deborah um yeah and so yeah he's living with that guilt and regret and then she also has to bear that burden too so yeah it's yeah yeah it's very uh very profound uh and uh yeah melancholic Bear, ending much much more profound than what i know in my own life <laughs> yes <laughs> um but like yeah it is interesting how james like james woods is always like uh we gotta get bigger and stuff like that he's like we have like this many million we're fine with this we should end it and he's like no we gotta like he has that constant drive to get bigger and then he ends up being like um so big that he's like known as like a secretary or whatever you know he ends up like i think a lot of uh prohibition uh like union people like gangsters back then were able to get into politics and stuff like that i think like you know that is like what jimmy hoffa did and and whatnot um he had gangster connections and he became such a big union uh delegate um, and I also, uh, when, uh, like Henry Hill in Goodfellas, uh, when, uh, when, uh, Karen, uh, asks him like, what do you do? Uh, like, 
It's like, I'm in construction. I'm a union delegate. That was like a thing of the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I think James Woods like does become that, like it, it, you know, he becomes legitimate. He becomes so big. It's good. And then we see him old and alone and he's made a lot of enemies and on the way and he has a lot of regret and uh i don't know kind of uh like done so much that he wants like to be gone basically like he wants someone to kill him pretty much yeah i guess yeah i don't i don't have too much more to add but uh yeah that's a good way to uh to wrap it up and uh yeah, very different from a uh, very different ending from uh, other Leone Leone movies. Not not so uh, sad and uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna play the the good, the bad, and the ugly like theme at the end when he's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that that actually kind of worked pretty well. You know, like the da 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 da. <laughs> As the garbage trucks driving away. <laughs> right. Um... But yeah, I don't know. We uh, essentially we we wanted to do this movie uh, as in a way to switch a massive switch up from uh, kicking and screaming, grown ups, grown ups, you know all that stuff. And I think we this managed. Was. Yeah, this was. I think we huge... managed as like as it probably did feel very awkward when I was like, "Hey, John, you know what was funny? That rape scene, <laughs> you know, like." <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was like when I was watching this, I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, not only did I, not only did I suggest a really long movie for John, but for John to watch, but also a movie with a lot of rape in it. So yeah. like, <laughs> it's heavy stuff. Yeah, but yeah, this is like I don't know. I mean, this is for any movie buff. It's like I think it's a must. It's like a must see. Along with everything else Sergio Leone did, he didn't make that many movies, but they're all very um, yeah iconic. Everyone and, has um, like a reason, a purpose, and you're like, okay, I see why he made that, and like, yeah, it is. I, I do kind of like. I find it interesting. Uh, the less is more in directors. Like those directors usually like. I don't know. Each movie feels like very calculated, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps wraps things up on. Once Upon a Time in America. And we'll be back um, in October for some horror. Be a month yeah, we have a we have a whole horror lined up. So be ready. Producer Jake has not been with us for horror before, um, but he is a horror guy, and he is going to lead the way and take us to the promised land in to October. To the darkness. He'll lead us into the yeah, darkness. Yes, yeah, he'll lead us into the darkness, yeah. 